2: Welcome to another edition of 100 Not Out, a weekly show dedicated to helping you master the art of aging well. My name is Marcus Pierce, and I am here with the legend, the co-founder of the Wellness Couch and the Wellness Guys. He is Dr. Damien Christoph. Hi there, Damo.
0: Hello, Marcus. It makes me sound old when you call me a legend, because uh, you know, kind of, you're almost on the
2: way out if you're a legend. No, but you're a living legend, Damo. Oh, Marcus, you're, you're so a right. living
0: legend. It's you, go. Thank you, Marcus. We love our living you're legends. You're a living legend too, Marcus. Thanks,
2: Damo. That's right. My three-year-old's a living legend as well. That's yes. right. We're all living legends. Oh, thank you. Now, Damo, it's always a nice, light and uh, humorous start to our podcast, but I think this is going to be one heavy but oh so insightful and valuable podcast because... This episode demo is inspired by a woman named Bronnie Ware. Bronnie was working in a job which gave her absolutely no satisfaction whatsoever. So she began to look for work with more meaning and more heart. And so, yep. as you do, yes. Bronnie decided to work in palliative care. <laughs> okay. Which is what we all do. I don't mean work to work laugh, at... but that's just an unusual thing. It is. It is. But this is. A, it is. A, this will be fascinating because Bronnie worked for many years tending to the needs of people who were dying, and this experience, in Bronnie's own words, transformed her life. She began to blog about her experience, what she was learning from these people, particularly about the most common regrets expressed to her by the people she had cared for. So she then penned an article called The Top 5 Regrets of the Dying, and bang, the blog gained so much momentum that it was read by more than 3 million people in its first year. Amazing. So then Bronnie decided to turn it into a book which you can now purchase through hayhouse.com.au and it's called The Top 5 Regrets of the Dying, A Life Transformed by the Dearly Departed and I, Damo, am very excited to give a warm 100 not out welcome to Bronnie Ware. Bronnie, thank you so much for joining us.
1: Oh, it's my pleasure.
2: You, you. you are, Bronnie, an awesome writer. You have, um, reading <laughs> this book... It's almost like, I mean, Damien and I are so inspired by the aging process, but reading this book, it's like watching a car crash that you don't want to watch but you can't stop watching it and not in the way that, (laughs)
1: obviously,
2: people die, but in the the regrets that people have before they die. Like, it really does stir the soul. Like, it's... It's... reading it because I really wanted to know, you know, if if their regrets were cleansed or if they actually were able to, you know, deal with it. And then I'm thinking of you being stuck in the middle of it all. And I'm thinking, geez, like talk about a job with meaning. Like you certainly found it, didn't you?
1: Yeah, well I was, was sorta of looking for it for a long time and you're right. I must have put a pretty strong wish out there over the years and uh, and I found my job with meaning but I I certainly didn't see it coming. Um, didn't I never imagined I'd I'd be in a role of carer, but um but it was it was life changing, yeah. All
2: right, well Bronnie. Let me start because, again, I could go through all the different uh, chapters of the book because pretty much every chapter of the book is a different story and, and parts of them are heartbreaking and then some have happy endings and some don't have happy ending, endings. But considering that our podcast is a 20-minute podcast, let's go through the top five regrets of the dying and maybe you can share with us some of your experience. Um, but and essentially the reason why you know, we wanted to speak with you is because we really want people to realize that People, if you're listening to this podcast right now, you have time to deal with these regrets because these regrets are are, are feelings more than anything that all of us have felt at some point in our life. So the whole purpose of this podcast is to actually really consider them and what's going and how heavy or deep they are in your own life right now, and then work on whilst you're living to actually deal with them. So let's go through the first one now. Bronie, shall I give it, or would you like to give it?
1: Um, you can fire away. You're on a roll there, Mark.
2: Okay. <laughs> so regret number one: I wish I'd had the courage to live a life true to myself and not the life others expected of me.
1: It's um, it, it was so common and, and so heartbreaking to, to see that one come up again and again. But with all of the regrets, they weren't. It wasn't about things people hadn't done, um, or pe- people wishing they they'd bought more or uh, travelled more, things like that. It was more often uh, more about who they had become rather than what they had achieved.
2: So I have to share a chapter that I read of a young woman in her early 40s that had motor neurone disease that was leaving behind a husband and I think a nine-year-old. Yes. Um, And she grew up in an affluent household, you know, money galore, but I think she was almost like required, demanded by her parents to become a lawyer and then she fell in love with an artist. And when that happened and she had a child with the artist, she was ostracized from the family.
1: Well, she was. That's that's right, and um, and she did manage to find some peace with the family towards the end. Um, but she had branched off in her own way because, in the end, she just realised that she loved this artist too much, and um, and wasn't willing to risk risk that. But in the end, um, her her mother actually admitted that she had wished she'd had the same courage she'd put the same pressure on her daughter um but when her daughter was dying they reconciled and uh and she was able to admit to her daughter that you know she'd wish she'd had the courage that her her daughter had 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 found
0: wow nice yeah Gosh. that's nice. it's interesting isn't it because uh it's often not till the very end that you might reflect on that and go oh but hopefully hearing people or hearing this now people will reflect and go oh my gosh yes I could do that I actually know a story of somebody who just very recently decided to live their true life um, and uh, as opposed to just living what was expected of them and whilst that's caused lots of ruffles and feathers I know that this person's going to be much happier so, which I think is a good
2: thing happiness is great and I that's think... it if you've got a fractured relationship with your family now and you're in your 30s or 40s or 50s yes, like work on it now that's it don't you know, wait. I suppose you probably learned, Bronnie, that time was of the essence when your patients were dying,
1: um,
2: uh, or when it, your it, clients it, were dying. It's and you're like, with well, this, probably didn't have to try and all happen in a week or a month.
1: No, I mean, all the things I learned through dying people happened over eight years, the lessons just kept getting um, sent to me over and over again. But, um, but the thing is, it's our lives are our own choice, and. Um, if if you're going to ruffle feathers uh, simply by living a life true to your own heart then ruffle the feathers because at the end of the day you're going to look back on your life and either be pleased with the, the choices you've made or realize you've lived a life for someone else and we're not responsible for other people's reactions just as they're not responsible for our reactions so you know, we, we have to face the fact that that death is a part of the process and we are going to die, which means the time we have left is limited. So so make those conscious choices to to honour your heart because it's it's your life and, and time's ticking.
0: Brody, number two, you talk about uh, the regret being I wish I hadn't worked so hard. I sometimes feel that now I'm forty years old and I go, gee, I wish I don't I didn't work so hard, I spend more time and so I find myself wondering, how do I create more time in my life? Do I have to drop things? Do I have to reorganize things? But I don't want to die wishing that same thing. And do you have any advice there? Or how how Um, do you get around
1: that Well, there's a couple of things. One is as a society, we need to take the pressure off each other. Um, It's it's almost um, something people have to justify if they choose not to work full-time or 40 or 60 hours a week. If you consciously choose to work part-time, it, it's almost like you have to shift a bit of guilt or make some excuse to to justify it. And it shouldn't be that way because, you know, at the end of the day, no one really wants to be working 40 to 60 hours a week. But we have this society um, that, that puts pressure on you to think that, that you need to and, and that you should be proud of it if you're working so hard. But in order to change that on an individual basis, um, there's a couple of things. One is simplicity, is, is just choosing, making choices that, that make um, your life simpler. And the other is trying to work more as a community so that you don't need as many resources as, as you think you do. And um, if you can simplify your life and get back to the basics, you realize how much energy is actually going into either keeping up appearances or earning money for things that really are never going to bring you happiness anyway and uh yeah simplicity is is a huge key to to happiness
2: nice yeah this is beautiful uh, okay this is a good one because uh, this is be maybe the maybe the male listeners will empathize more with the females but you never know i wish i'd had the courage to express my feelings now this one I read um, I think I think the chapter on Joseph yeah um, and his whole family is like denying the fact that he's dying particularly his wife and she's cooking him large meals whilst he's wasting away and not eating any of the meals and it's like the elephant in the room the fact that he's dying and um, and he almost like has a seizure of emotion doesn't he and he says it to you and he's like and I, but I want to tell them how I feel, but I, I can't because we don't talk about that stuff in our family. And I just want to tell them that I'm dying because they're not going to bring it up and the rest. And um, how common was that? And, and how? And again, your views. How did it, you know, impact the the dynamics of families in those final days? Um,
1: it was common for families not to have a mature enough. Um, communication channel where they want would speak about death um, a lot of them would at least admit that the person was dying but they just didn't want to talk about it um, thankfully of course some families did and it was it was beautiful and heart opening when they did but um, but it was it was just tragic when when people couldn't couldn't speak about it at all uh, and especially when they'd confide in me who you know until a few weeks earlier had been a total stranger in their lives and um, but what I found with that that actually, actual re- regret was that it came from different angles. Sometimes it was in the case of Joseph where people were wishing they could say things to their families, wish they could um, express themselves, let their families get to know them more or tell their families how much they loved them, um, their, their children, how much they loved them or whoever. But it also came up for people who wished they'd had the courage to speak in their own self-defense so be honest in in their own self-love um, and to have spoken up over the years um, not put up with, with as much nonsense from other people or, or let the opinions of other people um, become such an integral part of who they were and and so it came from various angles where people wish they'd had the the courage to express themselves honestly and um, yeah it was unfortunately very common as well
0: it's a uh it's a rough way to pass on i think having not expressed what you really feel i, c- I could only imagine what that would be like that oh. can it wouldn't be nice
1: tragic would yeah. be
0: nice number 4 is interesting because um I often feel that, you know, as life gets busy, that, you know, people come and go through your life and there's people that mean a lot to you and then you might forget to invite them to a birthday and then all of a sudden you feel too embarrassed to call oh, well, don't them Don't tell me that
2: happened though, man. That didn't happen, did
0: it? <laughs> it did, actually. There's two people that I missed inviting to my 40th birthday, which I feel terrible uh-huh. about. And I've, I've spoken to them both since then and I said, look, I'm so sorry. But, um, you know, it, it's partly because you do get busy and people fall out of your you know your week or fall out of your month or whatever it is and so you don't tend to keep in touch with them but one of the the dying wishes is i wish i had stayed in touch with my friends and and i'm a big friend person i got a lot of friends on facebook and i got a lot of friends in my phone book and i try to keep in touch with many people I, I, as i possibly can i'm very very social but still there's people that i wish i kept in touch with
1: the, i think that the reason it comes up a lot at the end though is um because the families are often already in a place of grief before the person has died. And the dying person can't get out and about. They're, they're usually lying in a bed and life has to come to them. And so if everyone who's coming to them is already in, in a place of deep grief and sadness, then... The waking the hours of being awake, which are you know less and less as as the painkillers are increased, um, the dying person wants to enjoy that time as much as possible and enjoy just have some humor and laughter, but all the families are so sad. and so I think it's friends that that can bring that that joy, continue to bring that joy in as late as possible and um, and it also allows them to reminisce over long-term memories because obviously adult children only know the person's life for the last 40 or 50 years, whereas friends can often share much longer um, time with them and different sort of memories. it came up a lot is because... You know, the dying person still wants to live for as long as they possibly can.
2: So, sorry, Damo. Bronnie, can I just ask you here? Because I know a lot of people today that maybe have a cancer or something when they're in their 20s or 30s or 40s often find that their friends often disappear. So because it's such an uncomfortable thing, especially at that time of life, to see mortality kind of stare you in the face. But with your clients that were older, do friends disappear or do friends come back or do friends you know, hang around? What did you find? Because it it's always seems to be one of those interesting things when, again, when mortality um, is staring right back at us.
1: Um, the older generation seem a lot more equipped to cope with death. I guess they, they start getting exposed to it more regularly. Um, but it was a little bit of all of that, that um, some people had disappeared and came back. Some were not able to be found, um, that they'd, they'd moved on or they'd died themselves. And then there were others that were still on the scene but only in touch through Christmas cards or birthday cards. Um, but I think that the older generation... Doesn't run for cover um, as much as a younger generation perhaps does.
2: And I wonder, Damo, if that's because of time and experience, and they realise that you know running for cover doesn't doesn't work out in the long run.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's probably not a, not a bad thing to wonder.
2: Yes. Now, um, can I ask the the can I mention the final regret? Because I'm thinking then I I think it would be great to get the flip side of this, Bronny, like your highlights as well, but. This last one, as, as you've said in the book, is a surprisingly common one and that is that people often regret um, or they wish that they had let themselves be happier, that they'd let their hair down a little bit more. Um, how, you know, what did people, you know, say? I mean, this is something that, how did it come about? Because it's not something that people, you know, you would imagine actually would say so often. So how did this often come about?
1: Um, people realising that they had taken on too much of other people's opinions um, and their personalities had and lifestyles had um, been influenced on on a long-term, on a lifetime of of that influence. So um, people like one woman um, was divorced really early and in those days divorce was a a bit of a scandal and so she lived with this guilt to her family um, even though she'd been in a violent relationship and had left for that reason. Um, She... opinions to become a part of who she actually was. Um,
2: Damo, I've just got to ask a question on behalf of one of our listeners because Carolyn sent through um, a a question after episode 36, Crack crack Your Stress Code number 2. And she wondered if we could talk about um, the stress response during really intense times. So Mm. um, Carolyn gave the example of caring for really sick people. And I thought, Damo, you could... um, maybe enlighten the listeners on the physiological side of those highly uh, stressful times. And then, Bronnie, you could maybe talk about the experiential and the anecdotal side. But, Damon, do you want to talk about the physiology of those highly stressful, very personal times in our lives?
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think many it, essentially really what, what goes on, Marcus, is, uh, is, is over time this adaptation process to stress uh, and the stress chemicals which we spoke about in, the, uh, in that talk, Crack Your Stress Code, um, essentially just continues to manifest and become bigger and bigger and bigger and a bigger problem so that you go from the anxiety state into the stress state um, oh, sorry from the stress state into the anxiety state into the insomnia then depression state the long-term effect of stress or the long-term effect of a dump of stress hormones into your system is a reduction in uh, immune system a reduction in the ability to repair accelerated aging um, decreased telomere length which is or increased telomere shortening which is a, an effect on your DNA and the, your ability to live a long time a lot of these things take place um, as a result of just this chronic stressful um, uh, you know event that can last for some people for months years and even decades and the same coping mechanisms uh, apply in an acute stress event as what they do in a um, chronic stress event and that is um, conversation engagement exercise uh, You know, all of those things uh, are exactly the same things so You know where you might find that you had consolation in the person that might be passing on for example you also need to find consolation in somebody else now because in preparation for that um, loss of somebody that uh, that space will still need to be filled so you need to look around you to see who will fill that space for you because they will be there and they will actually come in but you also need to then take the time to exercise and to take time out to be mindful and to, you know, count your blessings and look at all the other things that are actually fantastic in your life to effectively uh, decrease the effect of stress on your body.
2: And that's a great answer, Damo. Bronnie, how did you find that particularly in, I suppose, the, um, the, you know, the daughter of the dying father or the son of the dying mother? How did you find that, you know, in the children of the people who were losing their parents?
1: Um, it was there was some pretty erratic behaviour. Um, a lot of a lot of fear and uh, huge amounts of stress came up, and siblings would would often be arguing before the person had died, and and there was just a, a desperation in in quite a few people. Not not everyone, um, but but it was yeah, it was quite heartbreaking.
2: So, so sorry, Damo, did I cut you off there? No, um, Bronnie, just a question on the actual flip side because a lot of this is so deep and it's so heavy but again it's so powerful but how about the actual you know rewarding side and the and the highlights do you want to share some of what actually really you know really juiced you up about this this job because again it seems like it'd be so hard on a daily basis to 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 deal with death and deal with clients that you know you're not going to see again but can you speak for a moment just on how rewarding it, it must have been for
1: you? Oh, it was fantastic. You know, all of the heartache. There were, there were times I I remember standing in a bathroom, crying my eyes out, just praying for strength. And um, as a couple were trying to take off her wedding ring because it was um, it was too tight on her, and they'd been married over fifty years. And there was this this heartbreaking sort of stuff that was happening. But at the same time, I was having conversations with people that was there was no nonsense. It was quality. Uh, there was just so much quality conversation and conversations that transformed me by by reminding me that, you know, I can end up like this myself if I don't make changes. And so the wisdom that, that was given to me along the way and shared with me, as well as the humor and the friendships that were formed with the dying people, it, it was just unrestricted and, and, and gorgeous. You just don't come across it in, in regular everyday life. And so... For every bit of sadness, there was 10 bits of joy or or blessings. So that's what kept me going for all of those years.
0: Bronnie, um, we always like to find out um, whether or not, you know, how people actually age and if they're aging well and, you know, what are the sorts of things that they do do to age well. Did Did you ever get anybody who said, I wish i had have eaten better? <laughs> or did you ever get anybody who said, "Oh, I wish I had have exercised more"? Did you get any of those sorts
2: of things? Yeah, that's a great question,
1: though. No, great question, but no, not in my experience. And, wow. and that's that's not to say people don't say that. But of the people I cared for over eight years, none of them said that. There were people who were saying, "I wish I could eat more now," as as they got yeah. became cool. But no, no, none. There, there were, But what c- probably came close is people saying they wish they'd listened to their body more mm. um, and, and didn't ignore the warning signs. Yes.
2: Uh, yeah, I wished I'd looked after myself a bit better. Yes. Yeah, sure. Hey, um, Patricia, you've been an absolute. Patricia, gym. it's Bronnie. We're talking oh, about Bronnie. Sorry. I've been thinking of Patricia Redkin. <laughs> sorry, Bronnie. That's
1: okay. She's um, cool. Yeah.
2: Oh. No, she is a gem. She's a gem. But we only inter- we only interview the gems on one hundred not out, Bronny. Yes. Fantastic Just plenty. the shiny ones. Yes, but thank you so much for your contribution to the world, Ronnie. It's been fantastic seeing um, what you've done in the top five regrets of the dying and um, what you've been able to, to create. And again, the legacy that you've already created has been fantastic because really this is the stuff that a lot of people don't want to talk about, but it is is so—it's such a great tool, such a great vehicle, your book, to actually really start to think about what's really important Um to people whilst they're living, not to wait until their last day. So thank you so much, Bronnie,
1: for joining us on 100 Not Out. Absolutely. My pleasure. Thanks so much.
2: And remember, folks, you can uh, purchase the top five regrets of the dying at hayhouse.com.au. And Damo, many thanks again to you, great man, for another sensational episode. Awesome, MP. Thank you, mate. Great job. Remember, folks, we'd love to hear your feedback. You can provide it in any number of ways. The best is to go to our website at www.thewellnesscouch.com forward slash 100 not out. Also, if you've liked this episode, then please subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and become a member of The Wellness Couch. It's free at thewellnesscouch.com and you can view the entire range of wellness podcasts available, including that number one show, The Wellness Guys. But until next week, continue to make the rest of your life the best of your life. Hi, this is Dr. Brett Hill from The Wellness Guys and That Paleo Show. How would a pair of Vivo Barefoot Ultras feel on your feet this summer? These guys are awesome and our good friends at Vivo are giving away one pair of their newest range to one lucky Wellness Couch member. Vivo Barefoot shoes feature a puncture-resistant, flexible, non-pitched sole and a wide toe box which allows the foot to move as nature intended. As close to being barefoot as possible. All you have to do to be in the running is become a Wellness Couch member by midnight Sunday, December 22nd, Australian Eastern Standard Time. Membership is free and comes with a range of benefits. To become an official member of the go to www.thewellnesscouch.com and enter your name and email address. Merry Christmas from all of us here at The Wellness Couch and may be filled with great health and good times with those you love.
0: This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter, The Wellness Couch,
2: streaming wellness into your lives